All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. I'm and this week. Thanks, thanks. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's almost it's almost like you never listen to this. No, my bad. We're joined by friend of the podcast, Levi. Hi, Levi. And they, hey, I'm Levi. <laughs> in the world in the world's youngest Vietnam War veteran. He was yeah. there. like, what were you like, negative seven when it happened? Yeah, I got my leg shot off. You know. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Very spry for someone with no legs, I gotta say. Well, the VA is really good. You know, I that's that's what a lot of people say, anyways. Mm-hmm. The VA is like really good at taking care of vets. Anyways, <laughs> what what do you actually do, Levi? Right now, I work at a place called Dactronics. I make electronics. I mean, if the name didn't give it away, but yeah. Electronics and electronics accessories, right? Essentially, yeah. But I've been working there for about two years now, going to school for electronics engineering technologies. So probably just going to stay there for a while. That sounds fair enough, which makes our choice of platoon all the more interesting this week. What uh, made you want to join us for this particular film? Well, I mean, I was in the guard, so like the, everything about the army interests me. I mean, the Vietnam War, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff we still don't understand about it. So that's I mean, the whole Vietnam era is just it intrigues me, I guess. So like platoon, it's a classic movie. There's a lot of crazy scenes. And then. Uh, Taylor's care, or yeah, Taylor. I don't know. The morality of man comes into play for that movie quite a bit, so it's really intriguing. Plus, like I said, Vietnam. Fair enough, Jack. This was uh, this was your movie choice this week. What made you uh, choose this film? It's one of my favorite war movies, and me and Levi watched it together. One of the four or five times I've seen this movie. Yeah. Fantastic. When did you guys watch it? <clears throat> oh, years ago, back when we were in high school. Yeah. Man, oh, I thought you were, I I thought you were going to say, like, oh, we watched it this morning. <laughs> Thanks for the invite, guys. <laughs> Yo, you didn't get the memo? <laughs> no. Good. <laughs> so when's the last time you had seen it? Uh, yesterday. Yeah. Right on. Before that. Uh, probably would have been about ten years ago. Yeah, same. So it, it it'd been a minute. What I will say though is, uh, it like obviously I texted you this, but but for those at home, um, I went and saw the new Willy Wonka movie <laughs> yesterday. Like had dinner and then went home and watched Platoon. And I gotta say, my brain was. By the end of the day, I was not doing okay. <laughs> both had to, both movies that had to do something with Charlie. Yeah, from from the chocolate factory straight to the jungles. <laughs> That's the thing. There was no Charlie in this one. It's like a like a prequel. Oh right, right, right. But oh yeah, I but it was it was a 
both of these both of those films are a roller coaster of emotions so yeah the, as we all know the vietnam war is the war that pushed the oompa loompas out of their homeland <laughs> and into indentured servitude in united kingdom under the vicious chocolate baron it's really an interesting story i think dan carlin has an episode on it yeah especially like when he talks about the uh, vernicious canids I think that's, yeah, I think it's alluded to in the movie when Sergeant Barnes taught Chuck's um, white phosphorus around on a spider hole and burns out a couple of Oompa Loompas. I was wondering why this movie was so green. <laughs> you lie! As he has a pistol on one of their heads. Put it all over stone when he had that Oompa Loompa run into that, into that field, field op base and blow up. <laughs> they were committed <laughs> man they just wanted some they just wanted some chocolate man <laughs> they're sort of human beings man i don't even <laughs> i don't even think chocolate is growing in vietnam but they wanted the cocoa beans man <laughs> i feel like vietnam would be uh like an environment where cocoa could thrive because doesn't cocoa doesn't cocoa usually stay in kind of like more humid climates anyways yes is... but there's also other variables right does vietnam ha have chocolate grow cocoa i pretty much only know it for rice like everybody else <laughs> right now vietnam is only producing between two and three thousand tons of cocoa per year so that's basically nothing Wow. Yeah, okay. but that's a that like that still goes to yes. show that they can. I mean, that's probably why they couldn't yeah. find a lot of work in the chocolate area. But man, yeah, I'm way too committed to this bit. <laughs> okay, Jack. As we like to, as we like to start, what'd you think? I love this movie. Keith David. I forgot Forrest Whitaker was in this. Yeah, there's so many big names in this film that you keep, like, in the first, like, 20 minutes of this film, you keep going, like, oh, it's that guy! Yeah, Dr. Cox was in this movie. Yeah, it's honestly pretty insane just how many big-name actors are in this movie. The entire platoon is essentially a big star this day. Yeah, and didn't you meet Tom Berenger, Levi? I did, actually. I mean, it's it was such a weird experience because we were in pier you know doing doing a movie but it was like in a guy's backyard so i'm just like in a guy's backyard with tom berenger shooting I've, this world I've, war ii movie i've looked at tom berenger's filmography recently and it seems like in the last couple of years he's done a lot of like straight to dvd release type films oh yeah so that that sounds like it kind of tracks which is honestly shocking to me considering like Obviously, he has this role. He has, like, probably the best character in the film Gettysburg. Or he has the best acting in the movie Gettysburg, I thought. And then you see him do stuff like Sniper 3. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, Yeah, I think ours... Bored. The movie I was... It was like a World War II movie. It was over the Battle of the Bulge. I think it was called Winter War, Battle of the Bulge. And where are those goddamn panzers? 
dude, that was that was so legendary. Hearing <laughs> Tom Berenger shout about Panzer tanks, bro. That <laughs> that's a memory I won't forget. <laughs> hey, hey Levi, I remember that time Tom Berenger came to Pier and started ransacking us for information about the Viet Cong <laughs> movements. Yeah. And he held a gun to my head, screaming, you lie, all great times. Yeah, I didn't, like, really enjoy having to dance while he shot at me. That was... <laughs> or or when he caved my head in. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that scene think... was particularly crazy. Yeah. Oof. Oh, yeah. It, it's, like... it's definitely... It was definitely a hard scene to watch. But, like, it's it's so good because... I think that scene, if like obviously there's the infamous, you know, Willem Dafoe being oh. shot a billion times scene that is obviously the movie poster. But Dude, I think that, if it's, we, it's essentially like when Aragorn or not Aragorn when Boromir gets taken out by the arrows in Lord of the Rings, it's the same. Yeah, how they just slow mo. Yeah, so, but I mean. If if you were to take like one scene out of this entire film that pretty much like sums up the entire movie and the point that the movie's trying to get across, the burning of the village is like I think that's point blank what we're going for here because you know it's very obviously meant to be a nod to uh, like the Miley massacre. Yeah. Um, oh my. So like the, the that entire that entire scene is is super hard, but it's also it's it's hard to look away because you see all the different like internal conflicts that like Charlie Sheen is going through with like it, his like first he feels that extreme anger and is committing a war crime to I'm going to prevent a rape like he goes yeah. one end of the spectrum to the other like super quick yeah it is full range of the emotions full. That full blown, yeah, full blown snapping point of Sheen's character is, yeah, she's a human being. That part, mm. uh, you know, crazy story about the melee massacre. Like they actually had Hueys flying over that, and the commander, like not the commander, but the guy on the radio on the Hueys was like transmitting, like, "What's going on down there? It looks like they're just killing everyone, not getting any." signal back you know yeah one one guy was convicted after that entire thing and even he got a commuted sentence because there truly is no justice in this world didn't he get i thought he got scapegoated too because he like tried to yeah he was the patsy didn't he try to stop it or i might be missing i don't remember i don't know i don't want to misconstrue any of that that wouldn't but, surprise me, but usually people who try to stop atrocities are are kind of thrown under the bus in the in the moment. No good deed. It's actually kind of interesting because, like, granted, this is off topic a bit, but just in the whole like massacre conversation, um, have you guys ever heard of the like Sand Creek massacre? think i have so it's it's like it's it's one of i I think it might be bigger than wounded knee it's it's like yeah 
it's I, like I learned about it this is in class. it is it is wounded knee equivalent just to for the the sake of us not spending 20 minutes looking it up but um it occurred here in Colorado and there were three cavalry regiments the first second and third uh US ca- or not the US Colorado cavalry and god which one was um the first and second Colorado cavalry existed like throughout the entire civil war and the massacre at, occurred right at the end of the civil war and the third Colorado cavalry was like they were it was called a 100 day regiment because everybody who signed up for it only had a 100 day term for it which was kind of common in the civil war um anyways the third Colorado was the one that committed the atrocity the first and second their leaders refused to participate and actually like some of the men from those regiments actually set up skirmish lines against the other cavalry guys to like help get some people Try to, to escape the survivors yeah um and so a couple of years ago the first and second colorado cavalry had a statue in downtown denver and it was commemorating like first dedicated to the first and second colorado cavalry for defending colorado during the civil war and everybody demanded that it got torn down because they're like they committed the massacre it's like no they didn't they they were adjacent and like they were there and some of them tried to stop it but they like those two regiments weren't the ones who who did the the shit but down the statue came anyways yeah context is lost upon uh those in the moment to say the least anyways i i digress yeah we do that a lot we can have a bit of digression as a treat digression is that a digression it is now not fair enough yeah who's gonna stop me you i don't know there's probably a way for me to kick you off of this let me see Eh, it is a word haha job security (laughs) well that that sure did show me so levi what did you think of this film i thought it was a great film like jack said one of my favorite war war movies um yeah like we were saying it's just insane how so many of these characters went on to play like and particularly like so many of them ended up on Scrubs, like William Defoe, John C. McGinney. Wait, William Defoe was on Scrubs? Oh no, I'm, I'm mistaken. Sorry. Oh, sorry, but yeah, I was thinking of Scrubs because of <laughs> the sergeant, but for some reason I put, but yeah. Um, I think it's. Like I said in the beginning, it's just a film about the morality of man. And courage is a real key theme throughout the movie. That's what I like about it, too. Like, you have courage in both Defoe's character and Behringer's character. It's like two versions of them. One's like a hard, you know, like the hardcore, stereotypical killer warrior type. The other has their 
morality. And then it, I forget whose theory on war this was, but basically in war you have to forego morality if you're going to be in war, otherwise you're going to lose. But like this movie really shows the flaws in that, in that um, philosophy, I guess. So that's what I like about it. This is definitely, I don't know if cerebral is the right word for it, but like, there's, there's different ways you can obviously watch this film. And if you go into it as just like, oh, cool, shoot em up war movie, I think it can be a little disappointing. Like, I had, like, I, I started this movie, got about 20 minutes into it, and I'm like, I wasn't enjoying it. And I was like, I, I stepped away for a couple of minutes and I came back and, like, I restarted the film and... I re-looked at it through the framework of like, okay, I'm going to like purposely try and overanalyze everything in this. And like, I'm not saying you have to do that to enjoy this film, but for me, that's where I started enjoying it more where it's like, oh, this is, you know, imagery supposed to be like Willem Dafoe's Christ-like or like this entire thing is an allegory for the like, you know, home front argument of, you know, for or against this war or the morality of war. Like it, it very much is a more enjoyable film for me, at least if you do big picture idea of like, you know, okay. The dope smoking hippie squad is obviously the dope smoking hippies who are against war versus like Sergeant Barnes, who is like, America, fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's just roided out drinking beer. America. Yeah. It's, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, if you're, if you're in it solely for the firefights, like you're going to be disappointed. But like, if you can appreciate it as like a commentary of what the U S was as a whole at the time, then I think it was good. It was a very good film. That's like a great point. Cause like you said, it's for a war movie. There's not, it's, um, God, I always forget the director's name. I said it earlier, but Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone, like he says, war movies today, they're kind of over the top in the sense they like get Hollywooded up. This one, there's not a whole lot of spectacle. But yeah, like you said, if you pay attention, just like that opening scene with Taylor getting off, getting into camp, and just the first thing he sees is bodies coming off a truck. It just like right out the gate, your perception of or I should say his perception, but I mean, we're the audience through his eyes. But anyways, it's, you just, that, that whole, I'm going to go in to do my, my service, all this stuff. And you just slowly watch it. you you see it slowly grinded down to what the fuck are we doing? Right. A, a bit of the, um, symbolism, I'll say it was heavy handed. I, although I did have to have this pointed out to me, the main protagonist's name is Private Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor. Chris T. Christ. And he can, he uh, talks of his two commanding officers like their fathers, one obviously being a stand in for the devil and the other being God. Ooh, that's a, that's a nice little. In the temptations of Christ. 
kind of like the the good and bad conscious on your shoulder and the one the one thing i remember from bible school is that chapter of the bible where jesus chills with the devil in the desert and the devil's like come on man sin it's what all the cool kids are doing i'm paraphrasing of course but that's eh, basically no, that was pretty accurate if you ask me yeah but instead it's... of a desert it's a jaunt through the vietnamese jungle and then you have yeah. uh the good angel Kronk being like no 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 he's got a point the good, the good angel Willem Dafoe saying you don't have to kill the civilians. <laughs> I I love Sergeant Elias in this. Like he you know, he's he's probably like the one character you can get on board with like you can sympathize with because I feel like every other person that we see in this film is kind of like they, like they all have their faults, but obviously like Elias is kind of, I mean, besides being a dope smoking hippie, like he, he's the he one is, guy with human morality. Yeah. He's, he's the leader of the quote unquote good camp in this film. Right. After that, after that, after the village incident, they split into those two camps and it's just what not I, good. What I really found interesting is like, going into like the big picture of like mirroring like America at home is, you know, the, the focus we get of the uh, African-American soldiers who kind of have their own group going on too. And it's, you know, it was kind of groundbreaking for this film to have entire scenes where it's just the African-American guys talking to each other, like, mm-hmm. Like they're not, they're not just like side set pieces or they're not, they're not just ancillary characters. Like they, they play their own role in this film too, which for like mid eighties. Yeah. Isn't as impressive, but like, that's still a pretty big leap forward as far as Hollywood speaks, but I love their little group too, because you know, they are like, for me, my, my thought process on is like, oh, these guys represent you know, kind of what African-Americans in the U.S. are experience, were experiencing at this time, which is like they're obviously going through the civil rights movement. So it's like they have their own like whole ball of issues that they're having to deal with while also trying to fit into the, the dichotomy of the good or the bad squad. And yeah, it was complex. Like they had various opinions. Like they were complicated, like. Yeah, a lot of them were against um, Barnes, but then there's that one guy that was like, okay, I know he's kind of fucked in the head, but he's carried us this far, and he's probably our best chance of getting out of here alive. And all the others are like, oh, no, fuck that. But And then others are like, oh, he has a point. Well, and, yeah. Like, go ahead. Remember how I said it played, like, the two camps, it's like... One- both characters and or both leaders have their own version of courage that the men follow that's kind of like you like you're saying yeah like with barnes yeah he's fucked in the head but his courage lies in being the most capable soldier there like of anyone that could survive i mean should have been shot eight times man yeah that mean anything to you yeah, and then, and then you see Defoe's courage come out to not commit war crimes. <laughs> so brave. 
but so brave so stunning shit what was i gonna say oh yeah what a lot of people don't realize is just how many black americans served in this war i think it was yeah, something it like upwards of 33 percent of those who served were black compared to 11 percent of the population at the time that was black it's almost like they just proportionately drafted poor people to fight this war have you ever like talked to a vietnam vet about this movie no can't say i have i did one time but uh i'll let you continue your point before i i tell my story about it well the two i've talked to one of them was my great uncle he said it was like the most accurate portrayal and then the other one had mixed emotions about it he was so i was just curious if you guys had any anecdotal stories yeah so like my and i've told stories about this individual before but uh i knew a guy his name was bob and he was my scout master uh, for the longest time and he served in vietnam he earned a bronze star while he was there um he also was a drill instructor at paris island at the same time that uh arlie ermy was that's yeah. wild. Um, yeah it made for some some great uh leadership moments in my childhood um <laughs> <laughs> yeah you had a drill sergeant for a scoutmaster or a you know like i i remember there was like we did this thing it was called uh we're we're trying to or it, it wasn't like a merit badge or anything but it, it was like an award that's specific to our like region or area and it's called the red flannel award and basically you get a, a fun little patch that says i was stupid and went camping outside when it was like zero degrees oh um, yeah <laughs> it's like okay so cool we're we're going to build some snow shelters and freeze our ass off for a weekend what is up with um, Boy Scouts and camping below sub-zero temperatures? I don't know. I, I feel like it was a good experience. No, like maybe the man like, I am today. I loved all my camp, like all my camping. They were called freezeries where I was at in Virginia for our camp. For our freezeries? Camp. Yeah, that's what they were called. We had freezeries and camperies. Camperies were in the spring. Freezeries were in the winter. We used to have fisheries where we would go, <laughs> I, where we would go ice fishing nice and then that sounds pretty dope though we would also like at the fishery we would also do like a klondike derby where we had like snow dog sleds yep but no snow dogs yeah we were the dogs yeah (laughs) i remember the klondike derby days those were kind of cool though like getting to build the sled was fun at least oh yeah there, there was tons of great stuff about it but anyways we were we were doing this uh this red flannel camp out and it was probably like three or four in the morning and like i like my snow shelter was i built up like a little snow wall and then i just put my my sleeping bag in front of this snow wall and then i built a fire in front of me so that like the fire would just bounce off the snow wall like radiant heat and whatever and so like i wasn't really sleeping all night like every like 30 minutes i was tossing like another log on the fire Mm -hmm. and uh like i said three or four in the morning i hear some rustling followed up by 
like the longest string of swear words I have ever heard in my life. And it was like, it made sense too. It wasn't just like, like the word fuck 17 times in a row. It was like, motherfucking cut something. <laughs> and I see Bob just burst out into the open. He's wearing his long johns and he's just chucking shit out of his shelter. And I was like, you good, Bob? And uh, come to find out, you know, he, he was like 70 something years old at this point. And he's like, he, he had this idea or he would do this thing where he's like, I'm not getting out of bed in the middle of the night to have to take a piss. So he got one of those like, Oh no. Those like hospital <laughs> plastic urinal things with like a, like a cap on it. So he wouldn't have to get out of bed. Well, he, he did his business, but it was so cold outside that the fucking plastic shattered as he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's and... terrible. <laughs> Just a piss grenade. Yeah. <laughs> And like, I had never seen him angrier in my entire life. And I was just like, I'm, I'm going to roll over now and pretend like I didn't see that shit. <laughs> it's just a bad dream. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, he was, he was a Vietnam vet. And uh, I remember like for Veterans Day one time, uh, you know, our, our high school for Veterans Day, we would have like a Veterans Day assembly and whatnot, but we would also have, there would be a couple of local vets from the VFW who would come in to like history class and just like tell their stories. And uh, Bob was one of these individuals one year, which I was like, I don't know who selected him to to come in and talk, but, but some somebody in my class, I can't remember, they were like, they're like, do you regret having been over there? And he like, is like, oh, absolutely man. not. He's like, nope, we did the right thing. We were trying to give those people a chance at freedom. Da, da, da. And I was like, but we lost. Mm. Also the, also you the war crimes. That? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I valued my life. Um, <laughs> you know, some. No, but I, I can appreciate it. Like some vets are yeah i can't i can't even hate on that like if you went over there and you had to like i wouldn't even question your what you had to say about it no yeah like like he obviously went through stuff when he was over there and like even if america didn't win the vietnam war like he still believed in the like it's, it's kind of like how it was demonstrated in this film where, you know, Elias' act is like, do you believe in what we're doing here? He's like, 65, 66, yeah, but now I don't know. So it's, you know, I think it depends at, at what point you're there and what you see and what you're doing, I think is a big determinant in like whether you believed in the mission or not. Like this movie, honestly, yeah. it made me think like my my dad he he's a 25 year air force vet and he he did panama he did first gulf war he did iraq afghanistan just like everywhere and anywhere in the like in the 90s and 2000s and he's he's told me some stories about like the stuff that he's done but i've i've never had that like sit down conversation where i've like 
I've picked his brain about, you know, obviously we're out of Iraq now, we're out of Afghanistan now. And he's he's told me a couple of stories about his time when he was there, but I've I've never asked him what he thinks like now that we are out of those two countries, like what does he think of that war in general? Because like I think we're kind of in that transitory period now that people were in when this movie came out after Vietnam, you know, because this movie came out like about 10 years after Vietnam ended. So the, the wounds were still very fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of reckoning hadn't been done yet. So I, I think this, this movie is really great for the fact that it still can be topical in those regards where it's like, I'm now thinking about this and it's like, okay, when and where and how do I have this conversation with my dad? Cause I'm, I'm genuinely curious because when my dad was in Iraq and Afghanistan, it was the early days, you know, Oh, two, Oh, three, Oh, four, um, like pre surge and all that stuff. Like I, right. I, I generally, I generally would greatly like to know what his opinion on the whole thing is now that we have a little bit of space past it. Yeah. A little, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe just talk to him someday and ask him, like, you, I mean, I don't know. There's obviously a way to word it. I'm not going to be able to come up with it on the fly, but yeah. Um, My dad was a, well, is a naval vet. He was in for like 26 years. So he had seen. Um, he saw a lot of water, didn't he? Oh yeah. He was all over the goddamn place. Um. I'm trying to think of like his or his earliest cruise that I can remember. I think, well, this would have been before I was born, but the Yugoslav wars, that's the only one I've really, he's really talked about. He oh, said, like Bosnia and stuff. Yeah. Bosnia, Croatia, all those countries splitting off. Um, was it Slovenia that, yeah, that was the first one that broke off, but I guess yeah, that's not was... important. There's a lot of issues with a lot of those countries when the yeah uh, we'd be here for like USSR two hours getting into dissolved. all that. But that's that's another day. That's when that's when we review uh, behind enemy lines. We can talk about Bosnia. Sick. Well, Sick. <laughs> basically, that Sweet. was the only one that I. He just told me like all the cool stories, you know, like yeah, I flew over um, the pyramids and these and these helos with sand enter sandman playing by metallica Fuck like, that, yeah. sounds, that sounds pretty badass i can't lie <laughs> well like the, the the last time i sat down and my dad is always more apt to tell me stories after we start drinking together um but the last time we sat down and had drinks he was he was telling me about when he was in panama so his squadron actually uh did the the parachute drops for the airborne divisions um and he was telling me he's like hey do you remember that scene in band of brothers uh like from episode two when they're invading normandy and you see all the tracer fire and like the explosions in the air i'm like yeah he's like that's what panama looked like i'm like jesus christ dad like <laughs> well fuck but... I'm, glad... I'm glad you made it <laughs> shit oh. But yeah, he tells me like that's that's one of those like holy shit that's that's a fucking cool story, but you never think to ask like, so what do you think about the U.S. going in and 
deposing a, a dictator for yeah. reasons. The politics of it, that's the hard part to get into. Like, I couldn't, because to my dad, Bush was his, that was his, that was his president. His boy? That was his boy. Like, regardless, he doesn't like Cheney at all, but he likes Bush. Something, Does like, anybody? It's weird. Well, I mean, yeah, you find out what, because like, when you were talking about asking your dad about the Middle Eastern conflicts or wars, yeah, my dad... He thinks it was a waste of time. It was all corporate interests. He's not very fond of those wars. Like, yeah, he loves the country and he loves... He was definitely all boots on the ground when 9-11 happened. But now that he looks back on it, he'll he'll tell me, like, it was... It turned out to be, like, a waste of time in the end. Or some of it, it just kind of backfired. Kind of, huh? Uh, yeah. Question. Answer. To get us back on topic. <laughs> yeah. um, was Barnes always evil or did the experiences he have in war change him? And did he genuinely care about the men under his command or were they just disposable tools to him? I think... I think Barnes... That's I think both Barnes and Elias were probably on like, imagine we have bad squad on one end of the spectrum and good squad on the other end of the spectrum. I would say they both probably started on their own respective ends of those spectrum, but probably closer to the center. And then experiences drove them to the more extreme aspects of them. But I don't think like, I don't think Barnes was like, man, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then it's like, fucking kill them all. Yeah. In a situation like war, that, that'll drive a person to the extreme end of whatever they believe in. Um, and as far as like if he cared about his men, I think he cared about his men unless, well, they'd be, unless he perceived them to betray him. Yeah, because if he didn't care about his men at all, then he wouldn't have gone ape shit on the villagers, would he? That's what I was about to bring up next. Like what led to the village being burned down? Yeah, like no, nobody told him to do that. He just did it when one of his homies was gutted. I mean, right. with that, like, there's this great interview from a Vietnam vet on YouTube, but he talks about, like, as the months went by, your friends would be shot by sniper fire. Your friends would die by random explosives. Like, people would die around you, but you wouldn't know who to shoot at or who to fight back against. So next thing you know you'd be pulling into a village and the village burning scene would take place and in the end he said like the best recruiting for Viet Cong was the US Marines they would just walk into a village and they and then all the survivors were fresh recruits i have heard that i have seen that interview you're the one yeah you sent it to me yeah man you you know he's talking about some deep shit when he lights a cigarette and doesn't smoke it yeah <laughs> It's a pretty harrowing interview. Yeah. In the end, he basically said, like, you want to ask questions, but you get up to the door, you open it, and you and you kind of take a peek inside, and then you see a whole 
just nothing but dark, horrible things. And then you, you don't want to ask anymore. You just want to slowly shut it and then walk away. You didn't see anything. Yeah. I think... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to quote the movie. Like, oh yeah, that village stood for probably a thousand years before the day we came to it. They didn't know we were coming that day, but if they did, they would have run. Anyway, you were saying... I was going to... I was going to... I mean, speaking of, of running, I I think it'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the like most noticeable moment in this entire film, or at least the one that's parodied. It's literally the film poster, but uh, how did you feel during the scene where Elias is fragged and then ultimately is seen getting shot four billion times? Man, I, I well, like... Go ahead. Uh, Jack can go first. Okay. You know, I like Adagio for strings. I really do. But I just don't think I would have used it four times in the same movie. But, yeah. Um, and yeah, the... Like every time you're supposed to feel sad? That is an, <laughs> yeah, that is an iconic scene of him reaching towards the sky before ultimately dying. Yeah, the reason I likened it to Boromir's death earlier it was just that's I guess that's kind of how I reacted to both scenes or I had the same reaction to both scenes it, it was just like because right before he gets shot Barnes looks at him gives him like this look like hey I got you and then he just fucking shoots I guess uh, it was just shocking and harrowing to say the least I guess to what degree do you like and granted I, I i didn't do any research on this part of it but like to what degree do you think like we hear them talking about fragging all the time and obviously it's it's happened in like every conflict ever but this movie would make you believe that like like fragging is an option that is constantly on the table for you like oh yeah just how much they talk about fragging each other yeah i remember yeah, I remember reading some estimate that upwards of 20% of all officer deaths were suspected fraggings. Yeah, in Vietnam, yeah, that's that's a fact. You know, so speaking it's, of it's leadership... It's not that far-fetched then. No, I would say no. With how things were, that was probably the worst-led era in U.S. Army and Marine, just military history. Like, after that war... We had a total reassessment and reevaluation of military structure. So many people got fired. So many um, court martials got handed out. So many, like, the, that war is part of, well, I mean, you probably shouldn't be getting high and shooting guns, but that war is part of the reason why we're not allowed. Says you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's part of the reason it got banned in the Army. Then because uh, Nixon really wasn't cool. Yeah. What do you mean Nixon wasn't cool? Anyways. Um... <laughs> no, no, Nixon. Yeah, Nixon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richard Nixon, our greatest president. You got that right, daddy-o. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that he cheated at an election that he like won in a landslide. Yeah, that he didn't even need to cheat. <laughs> oh my god. Like how fucking stupid I, do you have to be? I can't I can't repeat it on this podcast, but he does have one of my favorite presidential quotes of all time. Oh exactly what quote it's one of the best our, places of all time. <laughs> our, our, our Bohemian Grove, which I've known to attend from time to time, it's the F-word expletive-est thing you've ever bundle seen. Of sticks. It's the goddamn bundle of stickest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Wait, that is like that's an my president. Out in the, that's an it's actual out-in-the-air president. Oh. Well, every it's president on YouTube. Said- I was going to say, every president said fucked up shit, like, on recording. I'm curious if he said it, like, just out on the lawn in front of a reporter or some shit. <laughs> it was definitely on, on the record, but I don't know if he was in an interview or what. I think he was, though. <laughs> just the end of a presidential address. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, I'm done derailing this. I can't. Well, One it's, more, it's... but... Well, I was going to say Lyndon Johnson has probably the worst one. I've oh ever my heard. god! Oh, dude, yeah. I... Like, like, I'll give him credit. He passed the Civil Rights Bill, it's, but also yeah, he referred to it. the Civil Rights Bill as the N word bill. Like, and yeah. didn't didn't he trick basically the entire South into voting for it? Because hey, this one doesn't matter. We can let this one go through. It's the next one that I really need your support on. And then he just abandoned them. Yeah. But I mean, at least he was like, he kept to his word and like continued JFK's like vision as far as that went. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh... God, is the official a... is the official position of this podcast that we do not support Lyndon B. Johnson? Anywho, um, I've always why I've always wanted Buck Strickland for president. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, we do. However, support King of the Hill, so we're conflicted. We do. <laughs> oh, uh, where did they get all the pot? Does does pot I'm, grow in Vietnam? Yeah, I'm, oh, it's a I'm stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's hot, humid. Well, it, I'm sorry. It goes back to our cocoa discussion earlier, where it's like, yeah, the climate's good for it. Doesn't necessarily mean that they could or would. So I actually studied this in college. So pot is a good way to unwind, right? Especially when you're say for example in a jungle when you can die any second and you get back to base you know it helps you calm down oh, however man. dare told what? me that i was going to become addicted to heroin if i tried pot i was getting that fuck you anyway okay. so anyway they they smoked a ton of it to you know unwind and just relax and just talk about whatever man and then around the time this movie takes place i think it was like 68 they started cracking down on it so then they switch to an alternative that's easier to hide called heroin <laughs> because you know it doesn't leave a smell and you just inject it and ugh, yeah I just i just feel sad all the time now <clears throat> hey man it relaxes you sometimes too much you know this wouldn't have been an issue if they 
if they took the Chicky Donahue approach to it and just let them have all the PBRs in the world. Yeah, some peevers. I don't know I don't if know. you saw... I don't know if you watched that episode, Levi, but this isn't our first Vietnam War movie. The first one was um, the greatest beer run ever. I think this is our second one. Yeah, this is the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. But anyway, yeah, the greatest beer run with Zac Efron. Strongly recommend that movie. Yeah, I know the story of it, but I haven't seen the movie. I didn't know Zac Efron was in it. It's it's pre-plastic surgery, Zac Efron, so he's still kind of hot. Wait, when did he when did he get pl- plastic surgery? Bro, you're pretty recently. You, you, hot. I check his most recent photos. Um, oh, okay. I'll just call him up. And ask him. <laughs> yeah. Me and him are. Anyway, I will say, like, I appreciate what this film was doing. It was very groundbreaking for its time, but I honestly felt like Greatest Beer Run ever did a better job of that. Like, is Vietnam right debate? And I don't know what you think about that, Jack. It's a complicated issue. I know that's a cop-out answer, but man, it's... <sighs> okay. Yeah, I know. Like... What I, I think I think my beef with this film is that... So, like, Oliver, Sto- ugh, Oliver Stone was literally a student of Martin Scorsese. And if ever there was a Vietnam film that looks like it was produced by like a film school student, I think Platoon fits that mold. But I think that also, cause he, he's very much trying to be artistic and like look at the symbolism, but also I think this film suffers from what Run Silent Run Deep did, which is this is one of the first serious and well-received Vietnam War films to be produced. And it literally sets the mold for Vietnam War movie tropes. Like the amount of times that this film is referenced in popular culture or spoofs have been done of it. I mean, there's an... Tropic Thunder, a super popular comedy movie, is literally an entire spoof of this film. Well, it also spoofs basically every Vietnam War movie ever made, too. Right, like Apocalypse but I mean, now. But you you get where and Apocalypse Now came out before this, but like it did. Apocalypse Now, yeah, it was. Oh, mm, thought it came out like a year two after me, like wrong. five or five or six years beforehand. Huh. Interesting. Anyway, well, to add to that. I would say the triad of movies in Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, and Platoon, that's, like you said, what set the tone for Vietnam War movies going forward, I guess. It's, you know, like I said, people kind of dunk on Run Silent Run Deep a little bit because it's like filled with tropes, but like Run Silent Run Deep literally it's, created the submarine movie genre yeah it's the codifier <laughs> um what was i gonna say and but I, you, I like your i like your analogy levi that platoon is in the the holy trinity of vietnam war movies yeah the yeah. father the son the holy ghost <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they just they really 
what am I trying to say? They really just show a great perspective from their characters, reflecting it on to what all the soldiers went through in that war, I guess. Like, it does a good job of showing, like, just how a person gets transformed by war and that war particularly. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, you said earlier that this movie was like, not you, Levi, you, uh, you, John, you, John, uh, you, you said this movie was like, fuck, I can't even talk straight, think straight tonight, uh, an art student's movie or something. Yeah, that's, that's the vibe I got from it. I mean, I got to give this movie credit and I got to disagree with you on that because this filming took place in the Philippines, which geographically isn't that close to vietnam and being i mean yes it is in relation to a lot of other countries yeah it's but and which yeah it's not vietnam but also on one hand you also have full metal jacket which was filmed in fucking united kingdom that's that's fair something tells me the uh, vietnamese weren't really ready for us to be making vietnam movies in vietnam yet at this point i bet I bet there's a there was a fresh faced young Vietnamese actor that was excited to get his start in the film business, and then for the next twenty or thirty years, he was cast as Viet Cong numbers three through four. Sort of like sort of like that young German actor that was excited to start his career, then ended up getting cast as Nazis the rest of his life. Hmm. You know what? If it pays the bills, I suppose it's unlucky, but. I I remember reading a uh, Guinness Book of World Records many years ago, and literally the most typecasted actor in history is just some random Indian dude that keeps getting cast as police officers, and he's played a police officer over 120 times in various Bollywood movies. <laughs> so I wonder, like, what's the record for being cast as a Nazi or a Viet Cong or something? <laughs> Probably, probably John Wayne as a cowboy or something. Oh, but he was also a submarine commander and um, a paratrooper and, and a paratrooper yeah, I was about to say and a Ray. Mongolian leader. For some fucking reason. <laughs> we really needed that one, okay? I mean, it was the one that killed him. Ugh. Didn't even yeah. try to change his accent in the slightest. I mean, look what we look what we did to Bruce Lee. I mean, we had to pull the uh, Ender to the Dragon out of him. <laughs> Just yank it off. <laughs> Actually, wait, is that a war movie? No, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. if you look at it from the perspective that Bruce Lee is at war with everybody he comes in contact with. Well, he's at war with. Chuck that's like saying that's like saying any Liam Neeson movie is a war movie because he's at <laughs> war he's at war with the world. I'm at why war do with people, wolves now. Why do people keep trying to steal his daughter? Didn't they learn after taking one and two? Like Dude, why is there taken three? That's what I wanted to know. Like, why was there so many taken sequels? It's just <laughs> greed. <laughs> the my favorite one that I've watched recently is uh, he's like an ice road trucker and it turns into this like shootout film for oh, some God. reason. Nice. 
but I I learned a very sad fact about Liam Neeson, which a I I love Liam Neeson. Um, I think he's had some terrific roles in his film career, but the reason he's in so many of these like shitty movies is literally like I forget how long ago, but like his wife passed away, and he just like he suffers like immense grief from it, and so he signs up for literally every film project he can because working keeps his mind off of being sad. Jeez. Yeah. That's, that's fucking heavy. That's fucking hardcore. Why don't they make that into a movie? Good Lord. Yeah, man. I liked, I liked his role in Ted. Now, if I'm <laughs> to be believed, the lucky charms are for chill or these tricks are for kids, right? Yeah. That, that that's what the advertisement said. And if I were to purchase this box of tricks, I won't be followed home, will I? No. <laughs> Just intense buying tricks. I let, he stuffs it into his coat pocket as he walks out. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> or, or that episode of Family Guy where he beats the shit out of Peter. So, Prime Liam Neeson versus Prime Clint Eastwood, who you got? Like, what's their best role each? No, like, can they fight each other? I think, is that what you're asking? Well, here, what's what's their best <laughs> role? And then in a, in a gunfight where they both have time to prepare for one another. Mm. Wasn't Liam Neeson a Highlander? But, but Clint Eastwood was a cowboy. And a San Francisco cop. And he fought in the Korean War. Oh yeah, that's right, Gran Torino. So here, I'll go with Dirty Harry is probably peak Clint Eastwood fighting ability. Filthy Harold. Right. <laughs> but oh, Liam Neeson. That's the thing is like Liam Neeson. Probably taken Liam Neeson is probably got to be his like because that's that's literally what set the mold for him being like the wait 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 i got qui-gon jinn qui-gon jinn liam so yeah he would he would win just alone god damn it that's (laughs) cheating you can't use the force okay fine no no (laughs) qui-gon jinn (laughs) well it's not fair because like (laughs) see liam neeson has a lot of great like sword films too like he was in Kingdom of Heaven, like so. Oh, he's yeah, a good right. sword. He's the guy that got shot in the balls, wasn't he? Yeah, with an arrow for two days. And he um, still fought. You know what? I think this would make for a great bonus reel. We sh- we should have like a yes, like a we should do like a March Madness bonus <laughs> reel where we pit all the <laughs> actors together. Yeah, Hell yeah. Um, we could we could even do it on our our Instagram. Let people vote. Um. So, God, so was who played the lieutenant? Was that Johnny Depp's character? What? In in Platoon, who I know Johnny Depp was in it, but I can't remember what his whose character. Johnny Depp was, was in this. Yes, he yeah. was. What the fuck, <laughs> dude? This this film literally has everybody in it. Oh, okay. Where the fuck was he in it? Yeah, there's so many random like big name Learner. actors in this. 
I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. Lerner gets ganked in that one ambush. Well, yeah, he yeah. gets he gets torn up, but he doesn't die. He gets just he gets sent to medical, and we don't know what happens after that. Okay, so yeah, that's so that's who Depp's character was. Okay, I did not know that, and I've seen this like four or five goddamn times. Well, I was gonna say like another thing with this movie, a good job it does portraying is just how leadership actually worked in that and. Pretty oh, much in the army, that... I would argue. Like, you got your lieutenants who's, yeah, they're technically leadership, but the sergeants are the oh. ones calling the shots. Isn't that how it is in real that, life? That's that what I'm is... saying. Like, that's pretty much how it is to this day. But and then... We will let you have the impression that you're in charge. Yeah, because, I mean, technically, the lieutenant, it's usually a second lieutenant, so the lowest officer rank there is it's usually a second lieutenant and they're the technical platoon leader like they're the officer of the platoon but then you have the platoon sergeant and they're usually a staff sergeant so an e6 they're um or no i think e5 actually i take that back e5 but yeah they're they're the ones telling everybody what to do and telling everybody what's what because i mean in reality they're the ones that have been through all this shit have gone through what these soldiers have gone through and it's kind of crazy too like you when um with the whole village burning scene the lieutenant tries to wants to do something i guess but is ultimately overpowered by barnes and then taylor steps up old charlie don't rat huh holy shit i I love, I was checking the IMDB on this and I was just doing some, you know, minor, like, you know, ancillary additional fact looking. And I love that there's a, there's a pedant out there that was like, uh, Willem Dafoe or Sergeant Elias never would have been able to have tunnel rat because the average tunnel rat in Vietnam was under five, six and he's like mm. five ten. Yeah. They were like, really, yeah. yeah you, you had to be like a tiny person to be a tunnel rat. Well, let's look at Hanks from Forrest Gump. All right, Gump, go clear that tunnel out. Couldn't fit in. <laughs> yeah, just his his ass is hanging out. <laughs> but I suppose if needs must, and you and the the guy who usually does it got shanked. That's fair. Well, Jack, what are you drinking this evening? I'm drinking eggnog mixed with whiskey. Nice. Levi? It's not healthy for you, but fuck you. I'm just Would drinking you... water. I long day. I don't think I could have a fair drink right now. It'd take me out. <laughs> Understandable. What you drinking, I'm cur- DP? I'm currently drinking through my abnormally large straw. Um, uh, Sprite and uh, Captain Morgan. Mm, Not bad. The white rum, that is. You know, just gives a little kick to the Sprite. Is it McDonald's Sprite or regular Sprite? It is Sprite Zero from a bottle. 
God damn, that's some gourmet shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> gotta Fancy. watch my, gotta watch my hourglass figure. Um, <laughs> you laugh, but I'm going to be the center of attention at the beach this summer. So, yeah, just slaying it. Something. Yeah, especially when I get that like, you know, I'm I'm just going to stop now. Um. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. So what anyways, would you say? was your i guess either your favorite or like the most the scene that stood out the most to you the scene that stood out the most to me is honestly it's a collection of scenes and it's whenever charlie sheen does his voiceover when he's writing his letters home to grandma and i keep thinking to myself like like grandma more than likely was alive world war ii korea like probably definitely was was alive and probably would have been pen pals with somebody in a fam in the family who was in world war ii or korea right um or possibly even World War One, depending on. I was going to bring that up. So I, I, I genuinely found myself thinking more about Grandma than I did about Charlie Sheen's exposition about like, you know, you're supposed to be focusing on like how the war is changing him and all of that stuff. But I just kept thinking to myself like, I wonder what Grandma's thinking because she's probably read a letter from like her brother from World War One, who's like, I can't talk very much but we're going over the top tomorrow pip pip cheerio love you to we burnt a fucking vietnamese village i don't know how i feel about myself say hi to mom and dad <laughs> like to to imagine how much that woman's perception of war herself has probably changed just well, from letters that she's received i i want that story if we're being honest well, that's actually a great point to bring up, though, because like with Vietnam and like you said, the difference between World War One and Vietnam, like that's when American perception of war really started to understand what war was. It was the first TV war. Yeah, like that was the first war we had in color that we could see like all the shit we did. Got canceled after 10 seasons. <laughs> Man, I had hope for the character arcs, too. <laughs> I'll never forgive was, the network bosses. It was low hanging fruit. But it tasted sweet. <laughs> I just can't believe Iraq got renewed for like 15 seasons. Oh my god, they just didn't know when to end. <laughs> None of the characters were likable. It was super forced. All the plot lines were recycled from Vietnam. And Afghanistan? Like <laughs> 22 seasons really that's almost as bad as the simpsons like we get it and worst, worst spin-off ever, ever. <laughs> God awful but anyway um is it time for rotten tomatoes it is so levi we like to do a uh we like to do a custom rating because stars are boring so we usually do a scale of one to five and we choose some object or thing or idea that best represents this film. Uh, I'm open to suggestions because I, I didn't come prepared with a, a rating. Jack, do you have any ideas? Um, I was going to say 
one to five Im- uh, instances of Christ imagery, but that's a ton- that's a mouthful. Yeah, that's, that's a bit much. Levi? Um, from a one to five, a brand new swing line stapler. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Um, something really nice, I guess. It. One. That um, was a. It was a office space reference, but like this no. dude's obsessed with this stapler. But anyways. What? One to five Willem Dafoe's. Yeah, this would this would be probably five Willem Dafoe's for me. One to five, just Willem Dafoe. He is the metric. Yep, I love I loves me some Willem Dafoe. So I'm going to give this a five Willem Dafoe's out of five. All right. Any any showing of the work for your one to five rating? Like, you just. I like the movie. What more do you want from me? Okay, fuck. Jesus. What, do, you want me to, do you want me to publish well, my essay? Fuck. I mean... My thesis? It's, yes. It's probably, I, would, I would like a dissertation from you sometime. It's probably not my favorite war movie, but it's definitely my favorite like Vietnam war movie. Like As much as I love Full Metal Jacket, I don't know, just all the big name actors and all the... Just how the... I like the pacing of the movie as compared to all the other ones as well. So, yeah, that's why it's my favorite. And are you giving it, or how many Willem Dafoe's are you giving it? Oh, yeah, I'd say five out of five Williams. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, my score is going to be based on the fact that I recognize all the things that this film did and accomplished and also the legacy it leaves. This is not my favorite film. Um, I honestly, I found myself a little bored at times. And, you know, like I said earlier, I had to restart the film to put myself in the right mindset to appreciate it. So, but because of all the things it does accomplish and there's some genuinely great acting in this film, I'm going to say four Willem Dafoe's and then like one crushed green goblin Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh. So yeah. it's like a it's like a 4.5 4.7. All right. Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes says. Uh the tomometer says 89% and the audience says 93%. I got to go with the audience on this one. Uh. Yep. (laughs) No, I, I, I think both, both of those ratings are fair. I think. Yeah. There's like we said a bunch of times before already, but it's, it was the first, it really set the tone for, Vietnam War movies going forward. Yeah, and it, you know, it really kicked off the, like, the reconciliation of the conflict after the fact. So, you know, it it, it accomplishes a lot, and it, it was definitely revolutionary for its time. I just think... Well, yeah, another... I, it just... It it wasn't my favorite. It it, it wasn't my, my jam, but I totally get where you guys are coming from. One thing I still I, get you know, still gave it a high rating, so Yeah. One thing I 
did forget to mention was like this this movie i you guys probably know this but it's based off a book and the book is an account of all of oliver stone's experiences in vietnam like he was a recruit that went over there and these are i mean with some like names changed and yada yada mm-hmm. but it was the first movie to really show what the soldiers actually went through because nobody like you had the tv you had the films but nobody nobody knew what people felt how they how they thought what they experienced right why they came home the way they did no it's 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 definitely a a powerful film and it's definitely like thought-provoking which makes me hesitant to announce our next film um jack do you did you like our last foray with uh, William Holden? What? Did you did you like our last little review of a film with William Holden in it? Uh, refresh my memory. That would be the Horse Soldiers. He was the I mean, the, snar- not, the snarky doctor. I mean, not really. I didn't uh, okay. even remember who you were talking about. So, was that tell you? Yeah, that's fair. Well, we're going to watch another William Holden film next week because it's my turn to pick. Uh, so next week we will be reviewing the classic POW film Stalag 17 never seen it you are in for a treat and it's kind of timely too because it's almost a Christmas movie so (laughs) yeah I mean it's placed during Christmas time so okay Hun, I I'm hoping got the tree I'm, set up. Do you have our Vietnam torture movie ready? I'm hoping to hey. see some merriment. I I genuinely I watch this film every December, so it's I I personally I I greatly enjoy it. It is very silly though, and this is a film that inspired the TV series Hogan's Heroes. So that should kind of give you an idea of where we're headed with this. So. Okay. It's, it's definitely, it's no platoon. Well, okay. I'm hoping to see a lot of merriment in this movie. A lot of mirth making. I'm sure it's very wholesome. You'll, you'll get a, a couple of chuckles out of it. Some some <laughs> Nazis being deceived and all that. Good that stuff. is funny. It is. Oh, I, oh, I get it now because you know it's just, you know, the last movie we did had to do with deception and this. Uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, you know, that wasn't really the goal I was going for, but I see the parallels nonetheless. Yes. Well, anywho, do you have anything else, Jack? I do not. Do you, Levi? No, I mean, thanks for having me. That's all I really got to say. Appreciate you. No well, problem. Thank you for coming on. We would love to have you back sometime. Uh, anywho, if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review. The stars do matter. You can find additional content from us on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We also have a Discord under the same name. We'd love to have you join us there as well. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel called History Prentice. If you could go over there and give that a follow, it would be greatly appreciated. Until next week i've been john and i'm jack i'm levi (laughs) and we will catch you later
Bye. <laughs>